This episode of Friends of Flow is brought to you by NCLEX Mastery. If you're a nursing student and you're about to take your NCLEX, you need to go to the App Store right now and download NCLEX Mastery. Welcome back. This is Friends of Flow, and I'm Tess Judge Ellis. And I'm Rebecca Porter. Good morning, Tess. Good morning. We're uh, without Andrew today. I know. I know. That's all right. Shout out to Andy. Shout out to Andy. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to talk about reflective writing. And I think it how it bleeds into reflective practice. Right. And staying whole as a nurse, right? Right. You know, we talked a lot about um, burnout and compassion fatigue. And that's been plaguing nursing forever. But, you know, Tess, I look at it as having really intensified in the last 10 years, maybe. Um, I know I felt it about 20 years ago when I worked um when we saw all of a sudden our patient load um, as a nurse practitioner just kind of doubled one day. And, and I felt this pressure to see more people than I, could, than I felt I could safely deliver in a way that I wanted to relate to my patients. And I really felt myself burning out. And, and compassion fatigue wasn't even on my horizon. What were your burnout signs, Rebecca? in general, you know? And how does that follow in the literature? Yeah, great question. Um, from, you know, it's really easy to look everything up in the, in the literature and say, oh, and tick off boxes. But I think what I felt initially was just um, this deep sadness within myself that I, I couldn't do I couldn't follow my true passion. Yeah, it was harder and harder to do what you loved doing in the way you know that you want to do it right Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um you know I think it began to affect um how I was sleeping definitely that I started to kind of not only withdraw into myself but I was really looking at the world through very dark glasses um and started to your inner it, bitch came out more. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The bitch tighter rose. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I left that job uh-huh. and and um, and sort of went into another job with its own inherent pressures and challenges. Um, and so I think um, one of the turning points for me was that I did a cre- uh, creative writing Um, week-long workshop here at the University of Iowa Creative Writing Workshop Festival. And I did a, uh, I wrote about, I wrote stories about patient encounters. And I wrote them from the perspective of the patient. And I wrote them from the perspective of myself, from things that had happened years ago. And then we would gather around the table every afternoon and read our stories to one another. And it was so powerful to put things down on paper. Right. And, and it's powerful. I mean, I think that what is that? What do you mean by powerful? Like you can learn something about yourself, you understand your worth as a person, the system doesn't get you down. All of that. Mm-hmm. And you become more effective. Um, because you know yourself more. Indeed. I, um, to sit and write, we had to sit and write for two hours every morning. 
And that was really hard to keep my butt in a chair. Oh, yeah. Yep, <laughs> and, yep, yep. And do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what it did was changed my perception of suffering. That my encounters with patients is not about me. I witness things. I see things. But I'm not truly processing. Like it just gets damped down further and further and further. Um, I think one of my go-to stories is when I was a nurse in an ICU, a big teaching hospital ICU. And it was a beautiful sunny Sunday morning, and the helicopter came in with a a person who had suffered a terrible heart attack um, off the coast. Um, and they were airlifted in. And I was asked to prep her, prep him or her for the OR. They would be going directly to the OR. And I held this person's hand and I said, everything is going to be fine. I will be here when you get back. Um, The bed will be warm and I'm going to be waiting for you. And this patient took my hand in her two hands and looked me in the eye and said, I won't be coming back, dear. And I denied her that. I I denied being present to her in that moment, and she died on the table. I would like to say that I would like to give you a different way of looking at it. I mean, this is not a therapy session, but this this is is what happens when you start writing and you start telling these stories is that you be, and if I had told that story from her perspective, not mine. Okay. I'm going to respond in a couple ways. And some of it, I'm going to put my therapist hat on. And some of it, I'm going to, I know, right? Let me clear my throat. And some of it, I'm going to put like a reflective theorist hat on and some, and then we'll just go from that. So I guess if I put my therapist hat on, I would say, I would ask you to reframe a statement that you had, which is, I wasn't present for her. And I would say, number one, you were present for her. You gave her a safe spot to tell you where her journey was going. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that is, so I I understand that you want to take it and move it forward to improve yourself. And that's the nursing practice that we are in. So, and I know you so well that I would say that I know that you're always seeking to improve and also your heart on yourself. So, and all of us are, right? I, I mean, I th- this is, hmm? Yeah, I think we most of us are hard on ourselves. We, and mm-hmm. and I love having a therapy session with one of my besties. Yes. <laughs> but um it is so important I wrote that story much longer in the telling um in the writers workshop. Right. That story So that's what you want to get back to is yeah, the writing. Okay, it's I the get writing. that. My thing to say to those people out there is Please don't ever regret a situation that you went through with a patient. Do not regret what you went through. You were there with all of yourself, giving your best at that moment in the circumstance. So do not ever regret where you're at. Learn, and that's the re- and writing that's piece. the revelation part that comes from reflective writing. So. What do we mean by reflective writing? Oh, you want to get back to it? Yeah, let's all get right. Back I'll take to off it. my therapist. <laughs> 
<laughs> but that my therapist hat out there to anybody listening is don't regret. And we have tools. Okay, so we have tools, reflective writing, and space and time to give yourself. And that we have available through this, this tool of reflecting. And it's also builds into reflective practice. I agree. I one of the um, writers and physicians that I really enjoy learn a lot from is uh, Dr. Rita Sharon, C-H-A-R-O-N. I'm probably murdering her name. She's a professor of medicine um, at um, in medical humanities at Columbia with another great professor, um, Dr. Herman. And we... In her words, we struggle to recognize, to absorb, these are her words, interpret, and I think most importantly, be moved by our stories that we tell. And when we tell a story, you probably heard in what I told you that there was a beginning to the story, there was a middle part of the story, that interaction, and there was an end, and my patient died, and I wasn't happy with the ending. But what happens when we tell stories is that we are creating connections, and it's just like you said, tacit um, helps to develop our knowledge, and it helps us build um, a more ethical way of practicing, of being present, and very importantly, connecting our our nursing practice, and we're starting to connect the dots when we're connecting with ourself through writing. It's, one, right. it's just one tool mm-hmm. among many for self-care in the arts. And I wish I had um, thought to bring some of Peplau's and other nursing theorists, but in particular, you know, I like Hildegard Peplau. And, you know, maybe I'll look some of that stuff up when we take a break and about Peplau and her. Um, yeah, no, not, no, Peplau is um, uh, relationship, nursing relationship. Oh, That's and Hildegard. so is Wendy Austin so, in Edmonton. Okay. Well, I mean, now there's Relational. lots of wonderful thinkers. Right. Gosh, we have such a great aspect of nursing that we have so many great theorists and thinkers to draw upon that makes this seem like it's like we're not just pulling it from anywhere there are great thinkers out there in nursing so Catherine Saltzman is at UCLA she's a nurse ethicist um she talks about writing and creative writing um and reflective writing uh, in her words that it's gives a powerful meaning to our work. And learning to write, just sitting down and journaling. If you journal every day for just a few minutes about what happened at work, um, it actually helps us connect to our spiritual lives. Oh, gosh, yeah. And, and so does meditation, and so does prayer. Um, and it helps us build those pathways for our spiritual and psychological resilience in continuing to do the hard work that nurses do um, so and connect our body to ourselves yeah I know that <laughs> I love it I like that that we're going here it's uh 
I don't know. What hat do you want me to put on to respond to that, Rebecca? The psychiatry nurse practitioner, the yeah. educator, let's the do a bit therapist, of let, what would, the theory person that loves well, theory, the person who's I know. See, my the, own personal lens. You got to tell me what you want me to respond to this. Let's talk about this from um, the spiritual. Oh, the spiritual aspect? Yeah. What do we, do we need to go there? And At some point, as long as we can continue to get concrete... Right. For the listeners, do you know? That's the big thing. So how do you do? Do you journal? Well, you know me well, mm-hmm. and you know that I have, um, I don't, you know, what should I say? I do journal. I am, I happen to be a late Carmelite. I know. Yes. And so that Tessa's, is a... <laughs> you're <that's> amazing. <laughs> that what, well, what that means is I have a, um, you know... Part of what makes me me is a strong faith life, right? Mm-hmm. And as I've tried to find a way to continue to grow in that, the Carmelite charism mm-hmm. spoke to me. And already I had a meditative or contemplative prayer practice. And so when I found the Carmelite practices, then that moved me forward even more so. So that's cont- contemplation. And it it's sometimes combined with meditation, but really contemplation. How does that affect your, if well, you were to tell a story? Oh, gosh. Can, and how would that, what would you be writing? How would you be writing? Oh, gosh. Well, this is, this is not designed to be about me. And I, mean, I could tell me, that I could tell my personal story, but I'll leave that. But what it does is, um, it allows me to hunker down into my own personal relationship with God. However, I call God, God, God can be higher power, God can be whatever, whatever, it's exactly how you define it. And acknowledging and and sometimes I like to say the inner love that exceeds what we can do as a person. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that that's present in everyone. And so but I can't encounter it and get over my that the issues I have with other people, if I can't encounter that inside of me, mm-hmm. then how can I look towards that with other people to make a connection? So I spend probably 30 minutes to an hour every day in contemplation and prayer and um, scripture reading or whatever reading. As a late Carmelite, I'm at the divine office. Um, and so And that really speaks to me. I mean, other people do whatever they need to do. And then I try to also exercise in the morning. But in honesty, that has things have cropped up in my life more so more demands. I can't go without that time. Mm -hmm. And so and through that I journal. And when when I need to I and so anyway, that's a really and we, you know, it is really hard to find time in the day. So a lot of times there weren't times. And so, um, but, and even in my practice as a psychiatric nurse practitioner, I think, and as I've grown into my practice and being with people, number one, it's their own journey. Number Mm -hmm. one. It's their truth. It is. It's their, and it's their journey as they move forward in life. Mm -hmm. And number two, the, um, Settling the brain down is a practice, like any other practice, and it's a skill. So, if you want to, um, if you want to be true to the organ of the brain, 
right? Which is where we think from, where our emotions come from, our spirit life, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, it's all connected, right? With um, whatever, you know, the cellular level. And, uh, you know, our brain does three things. We think, we have emotions, and we behave based on what we do in a three-pound organ that takes 25% of our calories. So when it's really, really, really working hard, that brain needs time to settle down. And when people are in distress from a psychiatric issues and they come to see me, oftentimes it's very much because they have distress in the brain that's manifesting in one of those three areas. And so moving forward, um, in recovery, which is, you know, a process of feeling better in all aspects of our life, one cornerstone, besides many other modalities, is um, finding time to connect with your inner divinity, passion, whatever moves you. And usually that can't happen without silence and without time and space to be silent. And that's very challenging very challenging to get in snippets. And I believe that we need to begin teaching that to nurses very, very early on. I I mean, my good friend, who is a fourth grade teacher is teaching it to her fourth graders. So I'm sorry that those of us who are in our 50s didn't get that. And those of us that are teaching nursing students right now in their 20s have to be moving this direction. Because we have to model model that. And as we, and I'm going to launch, continue to launch. Because as we move forward in trauma-informed care and whether how that intersects with our practice, we need to have those skills at the ready. I cannot ask somebody else to calm down if I don't understand how I can calm. So, right. all right, right. that's Thank, my launch. That's <laughs> great, Tasha. Thank you. I think what um, the takeaway for me is as you were talking, I was thinking about a unit that I would walk through at the hospital in my role, um, and everybody is flying around. Um, monitors are going, families are grieving, um, patients are suffering. And and how do you find that presence, that that, that quiet to absorb what what actually is happening. And so I think your point is extremely well taken that this is, uh, I, I hesitate to use the word skill. But, but you it, know what, that's okay. It's okay because that's something concrete mm-hmm. that nurses who are very practical can take Ab- away from it. Absolutely. They, they, can, they can find that skill. The other thing is, you know, quite honestly, in clinics, in um Places where, as we're starting to look at a clinic building, one of the things that's really essential right now for me as we're developing something is a calm space or a calming room that everybody has access to. And that is um, because uh, we're being informed by trauma-informed care. And I believe probably, I mean, I know there's one at most hospitals, they can go to a small chapel, but that's become smaller and smaller and and smaller and and further further away. away. I think hospitals of the future, any place where there's, there's any need, people have to have a place for 10 minutes. And once you develop that skill, and it it can be done, I've done it in five minutes, 30 seconds in an encounter with someone. And we have to be able to encourage, we have to, we have to 
to keep nursing from being burned out and to stay true to what nursing has to offer best to society as a profession, we need to uh, maintain that capacity to calm ourselves and and to be fully present. Right. And I think that's one of the things that reflective writing does is that if you sit down, start with five minutes Mm With a and and no erasing. No, you just sit down with you a know, blank piece of paper. You don't even have to write anything. You can just sit there and go, "This sucks." Well, I think. <laughs> don't I think, you think? No, I I think <laughs> at, at the elemental level you can say this sucks, but I think to be constructive, to, to reflect, we need to get it physically out of our eyes and brain and soul onto paper. And and not typing at a computer. Oh, no. I but agree. But sitting down f- for five minutes with a blank piece of paper and think about one thing that happened today. How did it begin? What was the middle? And how did it end? And what are That's the a lot that ha- of work, though, Rebecca. For I- five minutes, you can write. Okay. One encounter for five minutes because it will. That's a great. Okay. I'm going to. You know what? I'm going to start doing that. And I think it will give us the time to. It's a prerequisite to compassion. If we can't understand what happened when we parachuted into that other person's life for that hour or two hours or 12 hours, how do we re fuel ourselves if we can't sit down for five minutes and not talk just write it doesn't matter what's on the paper you don't cross things out you give the story a beginning like I did with my patient there was a beginning she was airlifted into our hospital there was a middle what happened and there was an end and she died so I would say did that take you a whole week to come up with that story no Oh my goodness, no. It was But was it hard? Because I know that you have high standards for writing and for how you express yourself. Oh my first draft? Uh-huh. Um it doesn't matter what the first draft is. You just gotta get this out of you onto paper. It changes how how you act. It changes how you think about next time. Mm-hmm. Um I've written down for myself so many stories that have helped me over time be a better presence to patients. And I know when you've got eight or 12 patients and it's two o'clock in the morning, it is really hard, but then it draws on what you said, Tess, about practicing a reflective time, that you can take a breath that you can do this self-calming and you can say, oh, I need to write about this tonight when I, when I get home. And it, it, it has been shown in the research that this actually impacts how we practice. Cool. Do you think we should take a break? Let's take a break. We'll be back. This is Tess and Rebecca with Friends Afloat. Here at NCLEX Mastery, we love nurses and especially nursing students, but we need your feedback about this podcast. If you have ideas on topics or you have questions you want us to answer, shoot us a message, leave a comment, go to our Facebook page and just tell us what you think because we want to help you in the most specific way that you need that help. 
Thank you so much. We're back. It's Friends of Flow, and I'm Tess Judge Ellis. And I'm Rebecca Porter. We're talking about how to not get burned out and using reflective writing and also, and that's it. I mean, it's, and I'm putting on my hat as a psychiatric provider. So there were two things that Tess and I talked about during the break that we want to share with you, and we didn't finish our conversation, so we'll, we'll take it up now. Um, Tess referred earlier to the nursing theorist, Dr. Peplau, uh, from the 1950s. And, and, and uh, the second thing we want to talk about is how, how Tess said to me that it's really hard to sit down and write for five minutes or 20 minutes. I think it could be intimidating. Yeah. You know, or there and could be barriers involved in that. But so you we can, can erect talk barriers to anything. But anyway, let's go on to some nursing theory about Dr. Peplau. Why do you, why do you hearken to her, Tess? I hearken to her, Rebecca. She, because I like theory. I like nursing theory, yet I'm like in the weeds with patient care, right? So that those are my jobs. And so theory informs what I do. Number one. How does theory inform what you do? Well, like, can you be concrete? Let's take Dr. Peplau. Okay, for her. Yeah. Um, so many, many uh, nursing thinkers are, uh, um, as they think about stuff and put a cornerstone on what is our trademark or or one is what is one of our biggest pillars for being nurses in our profession. What? Whoops, that was my computer. Sorry. What is one of the pillars of being a nurse? So what's the underpinnings that says you're a nurse, right? So there's technical skills, but then there's a way we're educated in our philosophical underpinnings. And what they're saying is that patient relationship, what they're saying is that patient relationship is the kind of backwash. So what they're saying is that the patient relationship, the nurse-patient relationship is a cornerstone. It is the thing that connects every nurse. So you as a nursing theorist and ethicist, you as a nursing ethicist and um, in your job, your nurse-patient relationship is important. That's the so cornerstone. It is. And I can talk to a NICU nurse, and I can talk to a nurse anesthetist, and I can talk to the nurse that's providing care over in um, Africa or in England. And the one thing we all have in common is the nurse-patient relationship that informs how we make an assessment, that informs how we interpret any lab tests, that informs how we educate patients, that informs how we understand what they're doing is the relationship. Okay? Right, but it also <clears throat> integrates their story of where they came from. And it's of those, course, you know, because they, that's while we're educated in nursing. Who is the patient? Where did they come from? What are their values? Why are they here today? Why right are they now? here today? And but then as we're so we are integrating all of that at the same time. And how time. are they interpreting what's happening to them? Absolutely. That is That's nursing. The key. That's the cornerstone mm-hmm. in nursing. So everything we do comes from that relationship. Peplau has a theory of interpersonal relations. So she really and this is and so why I even go here is because 
we are, as nurses, we're a profession. And as a profession, we have a responsibility not only to ourselves and to the patients, but we have a responsibility to society as a profession. That's a hallmark of, we have, um, of, that's a hallmark of being a professional, right? Or being a profession. So if we, if we're to be true to society and in, and in a system right now that's so, that healthcare system that's fragmented and broken, we need to return to our philosophical roots to gain energy and to chart our course. That's why I think that is so important. Thank you for that, Tess. I, as I was listening to you, I was thinking that one of the barriers to having a relationship with a patient is technology. Well, you but, know, before no. you launch onto this, Rebecca, I want to... No, I'm going to interrupt you. <laughs> That's okay, Tess. We're good friends. This is right. how we talk. <laughs> this is how we talk. And so I just want to summarize some of Peplau's points oh, before we move oh, on. Oh, yeah. Because, I was already jumping in. Yeah, you were, you were jumping out because I had to launch on my perspective and then I have to drill down into Peplau's points because nobody else thinks this way except nurses. And Peplau informs us. Of course... All behavior is purposeful and goal-seeking, and humans act on the basis of the meaning of events. That's and a that, framework, that, right? Right, exactly. Now, I'm not saying that other disciplines don't view this this way. Therapy does as well, social work, etc. Existing interpersonal forces outside the organism and in the context of culture from which mores, customs, and beliefs are acquired. Health is the forward movement of personality and other ongoing personalities. Uh, human processes in the direction of creative, constructive, productive, personal, and community living. Who else thinks that that's what the definition of health is? Now, your definition may be different than this. You may have much more concrete, but this, this, Peplau speaks to me. Health is the forward movement of personality. And okay, I know all of the ICU nurses are going, well, that's not health, but that's Anyway, she informs but me. But it is a forward movement, and we don't get to know where it's moving to. But we are we are journeying with in that relationship. And I am getting a little waxing philosophical on this stuff. But the nurse patient the nurse patient relationship is the primary human contact that is central in a fundamental way to providing nursing care. Reframing empathic linkages occurs. When the ability of the nurse, the patient, or both to feel in the self the emotions experienced by the other in the same situation—that's well, very that psych. Well, that comes really—that's very psyche, but it goes right into writing. And that if you were gonna, if you were going to have that reflective time, and understand your journey along with the patient's journey and that forward movement of health, we we do that. How do we operationalize that by telling a story? Absolutely. What's the first thing everybody does when they get, well, I We do. want to be listened to. This is the essential human question or concern um, and human need. This is, um, so, most people feel valid. They need to feel validated, right? Right, and we as nurses become the repository of those patient stories. And if we have nowhere to go mm-hmm. with those stories that are given to us in trust, that are entrusted to us. Um, what do we do? You are completely on to something there. Ooh, I love if that. We, you are. If we are not given the opportunity to describe a story because our practice is so meaningful and interpersonal, we absolutely need to have a way, form, 
and capacity to talk about stories. And unless you're out with your girlies and they're really into listening, then you're not going to, you know, or you go to a therapist, which I think is completely fine, of course, or have a somebody who is listening to you. But this is a really concrete way to to bring these tools to yourself. Right. Just to sit down again and again and go back to sitting down with a blank piece of paper and your favorite pen yeah. and write for five minutes one story of today. Okay, so I'm going to break it down even further. Oh, good. When is the next time that you can go to a store where you can purchase some sort of notebook? I have a dozen okay. really great notebooks. So I asked this to the universe of nurses mm-hmm. listening. When's the next time you can go to purchase something? Now, there's a couple things. One thing I like to go to our bookstore and find, I like a blank page. Some right. people like lines, but I'm a blank page person, so don't even show me a journal with lines. lines. Uh-uh. But, you know, back in the day when I started writing, which was when I was in college, I had a lined journal. Oh, well. So, whatever. Buy, and, you know, and get um, a pen. Get a decent pen if you can. If you want to make it like an event. Write. when If you want to make it an event, make it an event. You might want to get a folder. Now I'm part of the Rainbow and Unicorn Club. So yeah, mm-hmm. so you might want to get a folder that has a rainbow and a unicorn on it, but whatever, fine. Uh, what Make an d- event. What this does is that it shows intention. Okay, that you are setting an intention to start developing this skill. So you go and find yourself whatever journal, whatever tools. Bit, tools you know what? You when you're setting up to start an IV. I, you know, I remember back in the day, I would get exactly the tape I wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a. I bef- would pre cut the and those, tape. Exactly. And you'd lined it up because you had the intention of doing something well for the patient. So, whatever it takes, find your paper. Then the next thing is where are you going to sit? That's just what I was going to say. Yeah. Where I'm thinking about my house and my favorite place to go, and it changes all the time. And I have to have a candle. All right. So what do you Becker's have? likes a can I'm in my red room on my chair and I I usually have a cat on my lap. Oh, mm-hmm. I have my dog. So but I have a quiet house and it, it usually is very early in the morning because nobody else gets up. So I set aside time. I actually made a make appointments for myself. That's a, a second good intention. So you're gonna go get yourself That's the third. The first is the notebook and the pen and or where finding a place yeah, and, and then, then putting the time in your calendar or on your phone that this is what you're going to do for start with five minutes now a lot of people are really busy mm-hmm. yeah how many times in the day are you just standing there looking about okay what am I going to do next I well, I would yeah I mean it's a um what keeps us from putting ourselves and believing that this is an important thing to do to keep ourselves from burning out, mm-hmm. do you know? So that I think is the question is, um, and maybe it doesn't have to be every day, right? So maybe one time on the weekend and one time during the week. Right. So there's another concrete time, place, tools. Great. And so then the scaffolding of writing, as you said, was a story. Right. And you know, you may find a story in the course of your work day. And I don't care if you're an administrator, or if you are a an educator, or if you're a nursing student, 
or a practicing nurse or nurse practitioner. We all have stories that are meaningful, right, for one, patients. One of the things I've encountered are that people need to process uh, a traumatic event from work, whatever it was. Right. Whether it was a bad interaction with somebody, um, whether somebody misinterpreted what your intentions were during the day, um, whether there was a medication error, anything, we all need to process something from the day. And, you know, maybe it's right before you go to bed. Oh, what a great time. Or first thing in the morning, Mm -hmm. you know, but whenever you find, because most people do find that 10 minutes of quiet over time, you know, to have a cup of coffee or something like that. And then, um, anyway, so I think we've given a lot of tools. What do you think? I think, and then the measurement of this is to do this Mm -hmm. for, try it for a month and see if you have noticed, see if you can notice any change in how you are responding at work, how you are responding to your family, and whether your sleep has changed. Like, are you still dreaming those wild dreams of um, that that event is replaying itself all the time because you haven't given it a place? You're talking about, well, I, I agree. I think that that's, a, I think number one is to develop a habit. This is what we're asking folks to do is develop a habit of giving yourself and honoring yourself and what you do. Um, So developing a habit. And then the next thing is to think about your vital signs. What are the vital signs that are going to be looked at as an improvement? And you've said sleep, Sleep, relationships, irritability Mm -hmm. factor. It could be engagement at work. Mm hmm. Um, Peace of mind. Peace of mind. Yeah. So there's lots of vital signs. Pick your own. And and give it a try and actually let us know at Friends of Flow how it's going. That'd be great. How do we get them in touch with us? Is there a Facebook? Okay. That's all right. You guys can um, add something in there, can't you? Right. You know, um, even if you're like, <clears throat> description, I feel like, you know, it's going to take them out of that. And Clark's mastery webpage. Yes. Facebook. Yeah. So, and they'll get responded to right away. Okay. Yeah, if this is the well, and you guys will. Um, and then you can forward us any questions. Okay. So, so if you, we've got a request. We, if we would like to hear from you, what you think about writing. Do you do it? What was it like? What was your experience with it? How did it change? Do you have questions? And what questions do you have? So there's an NCLEX Mastery Facebook, play, Facebook page. And just mention Friends of Flow podcast and reflective writing. Or, and let us know what you think and how it's going. And, and we will get back to you right away. Right. Thanks for joining us. It was really great being with you today, Tessie. I know, Beckers. And I know we'll have other podcasts related to this, especially if they can be guided by people's questions. Exactly. Give us some questions. And we might be able to get uh, a guest from the Writers' Workshop. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. All right. All right. Take Signing care. off, this is Tess and Rebecca. Take care. Bye-bye. Friends of Flow is brought to you by NCLEX Mastery. Go to the App Store right now 
downloading Clex Mastery. And before you leave, if you could just share this with your nursing friends, tell them about us, leave us feedback, go to our Facebook page, tell us what you liked, tell us what you didn't love so much, be nice. But thank you so much. We really appreciate you.